0: So you want me to talk about the ideology of the tech industry? Something like that, yeah. Well, first I should say that I wrote a book about the tech industry Mm -hmm. called Live, Work, 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 Die, A Journey into the Savage Heart of Silicon Valley, which was published in April by Metropolitan Books, now available in bookstores everywhere. I'll be reading at Powell's on Burnside on June 8th, 7.30 p.m. And uh, everybody should come out who's listening to this.
1: Hi, I'm Jeremy. I'm a dork living in Portland, Oregon, who spent too many years listening to podcasts and not doing anything creative. This is my attempt to rectify that, to create and contribute something, where I talk to people about their cultural obsessions and try to give some recommendations of my own. Welcome to Giving the Mic to the Wrong Person.
0: And, yeah, so I spent uh, I spent a good amount of time there, and the ideological stuff is one of the main reasons I even wanted to do the book. Awesome. Uh, I would say that, um, well, this is my sort of stock line now uh, that I'm promoting the book, is that what I encountered in Silicon Valley is that there's a ideological range that goes from libertarian to fascist, uh, and that's, that's about it. There's a lot of people, a whole lot, that describe themselves as liberals, However, uh, they don't believe in uh, unions. They don't believe in worker rights at all. They uh, believe that the free market can solve most problems. What makes them liberal in their own mind is that they support gay marriage and and yeah. legal marijuana. Yeah, basically. and to which I say, you are a libertarian.
2: <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> Basic, yeah, you know, base cosmopolitanism, and that's about it. Which
2: which they would have loved to have been called libertarians 12 years ago. Oh yeah, but, but, but now, but now it, that's a now it's now it's
0: associated more clearly with the right. Yeah. But you know, it's it's in retrospect it's very clear that the um uh the whole libertarian invention was in some ways uh a, just a a simple rebranding of of the far right of of the Republican Party yeah. in a way to make it seem cool.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And even if you read like like you know like Robert Nozick, like the guy, the sort of intellectual progenitor. I mean, you could say Hayek, von Hayek was as well, but like Nozick was the um, sort of analytic philosophy guy that did that. I mean, you, you you can see that it's like this is just a regular, you know what I mean, conservative guy who's found a smart way to uh, to, to 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 sort of. You know, reshuffle everything. So it's a, it is exactly what you just said.
1: Welcome to giving the mic to the wrong person. I am your host, Jeremy. Joined once again in these in our scenic uh, s- basement studio apartments here in sunny Portland, Oregon got a, uh, another fine collection of uh, friends and co-hosts and guests here for your viewing entertainment. Uh, going round the, uh, around the table, let's see, co-hosts and guests, if you would please introduce yourself to the viewing audience. Uh, let's see, our, pri- our special guest, uh, if you would, please go first.
0: Hi, I'm Corey Pine. Uh, I am a journalist. I live here in Portland. I have a book out, which I already promoted. It's called Live, Work, 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 Die. I'll say it again go buy it uh oh and what else i used to work for willamette week um i assume that most of your listeners in portland i've lived here on and off since 2000 gosh seven six or seven um yeah
2: nice
3: Um, yeah i'm next uh this is natasha a resident ship poster at large and yeah
2: i'm i'm garrett burt broken arm garrett burt um what do I got going on? I don't know.
1: I don't know. You, are you still banding it about? Yeah,
2: or? I play I play in some musical groups in this town, uh, which we can talk about later in the show, but yeah. I sing in bands, damn it. How cool. should I say
3: that I like do podcasting?
2: You do do podcasting, yeah. don't you?
3: Listen to my most recent episode on Land Before Time.
2: Meta Machina, the <laughs> podcast. That's hey. her podcast. I don't have a podcast. I come on this one every once in a while. I think that counts.
3: I think everyone has a podcast nowadays. It's like the Garage Band, like seriously.
1: <laughs> like. The um, I I still need to that's, which reminds me I need to link to uh, Have you ever heard uh, Tom Sharpling's cover of the old Kink song called "Podcast Heroes"?
0: You can see everyone buying mics so they can start a podcast.
1: Where I think On an episode of the best show, he just at some point just started playing and uh, playing. Um, is it celluloid? What, what's the, the king's yeah, celluloid, cell, celluloid, celluloid heroes? heroes. And yeah. he just starts singing over his not even like muting out the vocals, just starts singing loudly over uh, over over Ray Davies uh, to, uh, with his adjusted lyrics about um, about podcast heroes.
3: Hoping to get a review in next week's Podmass
1: it's uh it's memorable anyway cory wanted to have you on to talk about both your book and also and your journalism work um also a couple other interesting related topics that i wanted to get to at some point to mention both uh if we can if we have time to get to them both uh, a little bit about uh let's say the, me- the mechanics of conspiracy theory and maybe even a little bit about ufos too but um I guess since I so rudely interrupted our previous uh, conversation in the middle of, I think you were That's
0: you, okay, it's a clean slate let's just pick it up. I don't remember what I was saying either. <laughs> Okay, go for it
1: Sounds good. There's a reason we, we recorded tape and not to air because I, I keep having to remember that fact like, oh yeah, we're cutting all this up but it's not going out over to some 200 watt college station to like, you know
3: And on that note that you were discussing, Jeremy, I just was re-listening to News from Nowhere, and oh yeah, I I always your podcast,
0: Connor, uh, my editor is is here in silent capacity to remind me to plug the podcast, which I have been really bad about. I also do a podcast called News from Nowhere, yes, which is uh, on Patreon. We need to start putting out the promised free monthly show on iTunes, which is supposed to be the way to attract new listeners (laughs) that I came up with, but um, mostly it's just kind of a it's an organic growth yeah I, and I, I do it on patreon because um, I used to work in newspapers and get paid to do things like you know <laughs> interviewing people and yes. stuff like that yeah. and now the podcast is uh, I always say the only way I get paid to pick up the phone as a journalist because even if you're a freelancer you get paid the same no matter how much research and reporting you do Oy. you know but the podcast people want to hear the you know the process uh, which is actually pretty interesting so it's also one of the only ways i replicate the feeling of being in a newsroom and having you know like interesting conversations and information Mm -hmm. sharing with all kinds of different people so
1: news from nowhere yeah, the um, which I also listen to. It's one of the things like, we we technically have a Patreon, but uh, I've uh, I still need to figure out a way how to either gate off like parts of the show or even because I think my production my uh speed is low enough that I don't really uh, you know I barely can can keep up with a semi regular production of a, of a, of the regular free show.
0: You know what I would do if I were you, and you're, you're recording everything anyway, just for the people that are the hardcore fans just let them listen to the whole thing basically and then you don't have to do any extra work editing it they can just listen to the though because what what people like about podcasts is like it's like oh it's like friends i don't have time for yeah yes
2: you know? i think that's an excellent point it's like every podcast i love is people i want to i would want to hang out with if i had the opportunity yeah you know what i mean
1: that was the thing of yeah and who was it i think everyone from from like howard stern to rick emerson talked about how there's something the thing about radio is that because radio is radio is our voices in your own head especially if you're you know where you need earbuds all day at your um either you know at the gym or at your desk at work and you know that's more you know that's kind of almost like more intimate than you know watching you know watching a youtube watching anybody on youtube or a regular tv or film or something because it's like you're you know you're you're spending time with these people for better or for worse Folks, this is Jeremy. Just popping in here. If you like what you're hearing, why not help us uh, make the show? You can support us for as little as a dollar a month, donated through our Patreon, which is at patreoncom mic. Every little bit helps. Thanks.
0: Well, yeah, and also, it's a good format because it allows people to, um, you know, do whatever they need to do and have this separate mental life you know which is like kind of what our society is has reduced us to yeah. Yeah. you know we can't have full expression of our uh of our autonomy or our time or our thoughts but you know we can have our headphones on and be yeah. having a separate mental uh life and and series of relationships in a way mm-hmm.
2: um sometimes it makes me worry to be honest with you like that it's it's sort of a phenomenon like that some people get on, um, social media where they don't really have other friends and they just sort of, I
3: feel so attacked right now. So
2: I, (laughs) I, I, I have to say, when I say this, I love podcasts. I listen to lots of them, but I, I do sometimes worry that for my own mental health, that I am sort of walling myself off from other people. And it's like, well, these people are my friends.
3: Chapo. But then you go to a party and you have a conversation with people, and you realize that that conversation is entirely not what you want to be having <laughs> right now.
2: <laughs> that's a great
3: point. I'm sorry. I'm no,
0: that's an really excellent salty. point. Uh, you know what it is too. Um, I was. I've told this story on probably my own podcast, but um, last <laughs> went to this party probably shouldn't even say that much detail <laughs> if you cut that out it's fine i went to a party rec- like within the last eight months or so <laughs> and was talking to um somebody I, I just met um actually i was talking to somebody else it was like a conversation yeah. happening around a table like this mm-hmm. and you know i got a little bit ranty as i am wont to do especially when there's party and drinking involved and and um you know i finished my rant about the state of the country or whatever and and this person I I just met, there was this sort of natural pause. You know, like when somebody was like, oh, I have something to say. And it seemed like he had something to say. And then there was a pause. And then it was became an awkward pause. <laughs> and then he said something about the new blazers uniforms <laughs> I hated them. it was like a total non sequitur I was just talking about like that's some awesome yeah i didn't expect us to go fascist as fast and like well, i don't know what do you all think and it was it yeah, was like excellent but but yeah. that's part of the reason i think that people get sucked into social media and podcasting and, and all these different online communities because you know Going back to, like, where the society forces us day-to-day, capitalism forces us day-to-day, is, yeah. like, not having a way to express these things. And if, you know, somebody brings yeah. it up, you know, you have these random encounters with people, and you never know how they're going to react, you know.
2: Oh, God, and yeah. I mean, they um, are, like, communities that you ascribe to. They're just not necessarily people you meet with in person. Yeah, so. which
0: I do agree has some, some unhealthy aspects. Um, but I'm not as cynical about that as I was maybe a few years ago you know cuz i mm-hmm. i keep meeting interesting people uh, you know through social media and podcasting whatever and um and it seems like people are forming connections like a lot of the political organizing that's happened in the last few years i think Mm-hmm. pretty directly related, yeah. related to those communities online so
2: yeah i think it's i think it's there's there's been for me a sort of desire to like be in my neighborhood and feel community with those people even sure. even though they might not be the sort of people i'd have a great conversation with and i think that sometimes i worry that you know living a more online life through i mean and i'm like the least online of probably anyone that's ever on this show but but uh but that desire to have community where I live because you know I want to make changes to you know political changes to the to the world in which I live and I would really love to do that but I wonder if yeah the the appeal of people that have opinions like yours and have interesting things to talk about makes it
0: I think we could sort of have it both ways if Mm -hmm. if we got the tech monopolies under control because it, you know, there's a section in the book where I, I go to this startup conference in Redwood City, um, which is just like, you know, what one, one of these replaceable <laughs> Silicon <laughs> yeah. Valley suburbs, you know, like maybe a little more, like not as upscale as Palo Alto, but. Did they, I mean, you
1: know. did they have any redwoods there at all or no previously? those are long gone, I was saying, long gone. One of those things where they have the There's sub- probably
0: a stump in the town square or yeah. something yeah. well we had to get rid of the redwoods to build the city you <laughs> yeah. see
1: it's kind of like the standard yeah the suburban features and neighborhoods are named after landscape aspects that used to be there
0: well anyway they have this guy there who wrote a book about um, the, the science of building habit forming products you know geared at the industry <laughs> what on earth <laughs> yeah Um, So, you know, imagine if Twitter didn't have, um, and it's not the only site like this, but we've gotten like conditioned to uh, respond to things like like counts and follower counts and all Mm -hmm. these numbers, you know, and that's part of what makes these systems feel addictive and why people get sucked in and they they start to lose the, you know, physical reality of their lives and, and that connection that you're sort of missing with people in your immediate vicinity I think if you know we regulated these companies properly um, you we there might be recognition that some of the tricks that they use um, are equivalent to you know tobacco company marketing that we simply don't allow anymore mm-hmm. huh, Interesting. Um, and uh, you know I can imagine having some of the benefits of these technologies without all of the downsides. Yeah, that might be a. Li- I'm not usually this optimistic. I feel a little uncomfortable <laughs> to be saying something that's so seemingly optimistic, but I, I do think it's true.
2: Well, but, certainly yeah. that's always that's been the ideal, right? Like, sorry, I don't I don't want to dominate. Did you have something to say? No, okay. uh,
3: I was. I, uh, my only thing is like I agree completely with that because I do think that for some of us that are very introverted and incapable of leaving their houses without having an anxiety attack. You know, um, social media has been good for organizing in that way. Or, in, and for mine, it was like a paradigm shift in my reality, which, you know, it sounds horrible to say that because it is nice to know, you know, being social and going out and meeting new people and being part of your community. But for some of us who don't have property and don't like, you know, renters for life, right, mm-hmm. Um, are part of this community, but don't really feel like that's my, you know, thing. And it's nice yeah. to be able to have sort of like this sort of bubble of weird Twitter or whatever, you know, Yeah. where you can kind of like meet people that you would never have met before and find common interests and talk with them and, you know, reach out to different people. I don't know. I'm just rambling here.
2: And chat with it's the, all good. Chat with chat I'm, with them on mics. Yeah, I'm yeah. sorry if I made you feel a, a, no. attacked, Natasha. You didn't. I'm mean. not as down on it as I may have sounded. It's
1: okay. One of yeah, and one of the things that I did want to, um, I think one of the topics was you know as you, uh, Corey wrote about in your book is the ideological aspect of it because I think the, and like something you just mentioned about how the the companies get away with. Shit that tobacco companies uh, haven't been able to for twenty to forty years, maybe. But it's there's something that's fascinating to me that I'm just you know has uh, been you know slowly and incre- incrementally more radicalized over like the last two to five years of reading more about is the um, the belief system that gets th- thrown into it. Not so much from like the techie folks themselves, but more but the the media culture. I think one of the other questions that I'd written down is, is, um, you know, how does TED talk culture, like, you know, factor into replicating and kind of reinforcing just kind of like, you know, Silicon Valley, like this kind of like ideological construct? I don't know. It's, it's almost as it's a manifestation of like their belief system in this, in the, in these, in the format of like, kind of like, we're going to have people talk like this in a certain way and present things in a certain way and put the videos up online and you know, charge people to come, you know, come see these talk, people to talk and uh, it's a lot of questions. so I mean, they, take
0: your they, <laughs> the TED thing is interesting. I mean, remember when it was kind of new and people were like sharing videos and being like, oh, that's good. It's interesting because I think a lot of people, especially in what became their target sort of or their core audience, had not seen like an academic lecture. So it was <laughs> like, yeah. here's like a very concise, well-presented you yeah. know, fifteen twenty minute academic lecture which, yeah, yeah, which which is was kind of a a cool thought, but obviously it was a business, and they realized that like there's they're going to be a lot more successful of a business if they they go as big ticket as they can mm-hmm. and start pandering to the audience that's willing to pay ten thousand dollars or whatever right. it is to get a, a conference ticket you know and and of course like nobody's i mean okay i went to a lot of conferences to report this book usually i talked my way in for free but every once in a while i would meet somebody that paid their out of their own pocket to go to some tech conference and you know hotel airfare travel across the country because they think they're going to make you know the connection that makes their career wow and that does happen but most people of course are having their empor- employers pick up the tab and it's yeah. the same with the tech stuff so it ends up being this thing it's that's like, like, like,
1: it's, like business, it's like business travel it's why airplane, airports charge the way they do
0: yeah exactly and and at a TED you know so the TED thing now is just like it's just like another work meeting right I don't understand why, <laughs> why would you would you? sit through that unless you know you there was some benefit in your job and like if you go then you know, and say good things about it to your boss. Maybe you'll get a promotion or you can use it in some way like that. I mean, it just reeks sort of like the 2016 Democratic National Convention. Mm-hmm. I thought I felt the same way about it. Like, this is like going to a meeting, an all hands office meeting, <laughs> and have a series of middle managers like present their projects
1: PowerPoint upon PowerPoint, yes. yeah. upon PowerPoint. surrounded by. Answers. So,
0: you know, the TED, I mean. <laughs> I don't think I've seen an interesting one since the first year they started doing it, and then they franchised out the TEDx thing, and yeah. that's just like no, the shit's in Portland. Well, last no, everybody time everybody can do a TED talk. Well, yeah, last <laughs> time I was at Willamette Week doing a, a uh, well, full time but temporary sort of stint there when I was getting back to the U.S. in 2017. Um, there was I was getting forwarded some crazy emails. I'm sure, well, they sounded crazy, but I'm sure it was there was some truth to it. But it was about like. You know, some kind of financial shenanigans going on a local TEDx operation. <laughs> I'm just like, it. I'm sure that that is going on like all over the place. Mm. I mean, these are like, it's almost like an Amway kind of business model
2: now. Yeah. Is it really? Yeah. Yeah, because I, I I can't remember the last time I saw a new TED talk. You know, where I was like, hey. And the you know, I, only one I really liked
3: the, was one, the one where they talked about cremating yourself with mushrooms. Oh, I don't remember. Yeah, yeah that like one. green burial. I, mean, I just sorry. I
2: the ones I do see are the ones I've already seen before, you know, like the Brené Brown about uh vulnerability or the one about <laughs> what it me what it what what it what you need to have a happy life and all this shit. And, Isn't
0: but, it I mean, it's I mean, like no one it's posts self, its self-help its self-help content yeah. that's sort of migrated from exactly. print to video
1: basically
2: Yeah,
0: to,
1: you know. With uh with more yeah, and and projectors. What were you talking about? Oh we were talking TED Talks. Uh Ted, TED t- t- yeah, TED Talks and uh and,
0: as uh as and corporate uh, indo- as corporate uh, motivational indoctrination kind yeah. of thing. Yeah. yeah,
1: and uh ideological rep- replication, yeah.
0: Yeah, so I mean the ideological rep- the really horrifying thing is that with at Silicon Valley because we all because now they are the media, basically. Mm-hmm. Um they've figured out ways to propagate the underlying ideology. Not that this is a conscious process, right? Like right. they're just doing it yeah without even thinking about it really it's the water yeah yeah Yeah, exactly. And that's kind of how
2: ideology works right yeah you you don't it's it's what you do and you don't have any reason why you do it right
0: yeah so now we've got one where you know numbers are the most important thing and bigger numbers are better than smaller numbers (laughs) always yeah you know that's one of the you know unstated assumptions um of the Silicon Valley ideology.
3: I think the worst part for me is just this whole corporate um, push towards this sort of spiritual mindfulness culture and all this like self-help stuff that yeah. got recycled into this. I have a friend that's working crap. on
0: that. You know, he's doing, uh, um, well, he, he's doing his own, you know, practice, meditation, whatever. But um, he was going to do his master's uh, research on uh, corporate mindfulness. Mm-hmm. And, and also... Th- uh, there was one. Uh, he went to like a prison where they're doing like, they're, te- they're teaching prisoners mindfulness, and it's like, is this co- is this even compatible with the original sort of
1: intent of yeah. this
2: practice? Yeah, that sounds yeah. pretty bizarre to me. It's um
1: yeah, it's interesting that, that well yeah in terms of the timing of both your book coming out at the same time like Barbara Ehrenreich's book coming out about like her kind of like response to a lot of like um bullshit corporate wellness culture and kind of like what it actually uh what how it actually functions versus what it what it is sold as
0: yeah i uh, i find that it's capitalism is at this point and silicon valley being you know very californian mm-hmm. kind of hippy dippy counterculture roots or whatever is very well placed sort of um Make capitalism seem. What are the buzzwords they have? Conscious capitalism, <laughs> yeah. right? You yeah. know, uh, triple bottom line. That was when I heard a lot here in Portland. Yeah, I think that's <laughs> yeah. Northwest up so here. I
2: have a business degree, so I got a I got an ass full of uh, triple bottom line, and uh, they make you take these ethics classes that are, you know, an absolute joke.
1: That was. That's one of the things that I've noticed from to go back to our um, about the per- pervasive need, the pervasiveness. Um, i guess well you will we'll use it you know we've we've already we've we've all but almost name check gramsci earlier but the like just the hegemonic in uh, encroachment of just the terminology and the mindset and everything to the point where we, have, we mentioned about like the explosion of like left you know in explosion and reinvigoration of leftist organizing that even in that it's kind of uh especially in because um, i'm you know I'm, I do a lot of work with, like, the local DSA chapter, which has, like, a lot of, like, professional types, and it's kind of a thing where I think some of us are very, very conscious and self-aware and self-conscious of the fact that, you know, how we talk about, like, what we do and how we want to, you know, how you, know, you want to do, the you know, do, like, organizing efforts. Like, you can't turn off the... Um, some of the corporate vocabulary, because it's just... it's embedded. Yeah. You know.
0: Well, that's why, I mean you know, you need people. You know, I think about this a lot, like the the most sort of epic defining writers and philosophers invent new vocabularies. I mean, Marx did that. He's probably the last one that actually really succeeded in inventing a whole new vocabulary. Mm-hmm. You know, and before that, you had essentially religious figures mm-hmm. who would do it. And, and it's something you see... Um, uh, well, I guess corporate America has done it as well. I mean, well, they, they've they've defined uh, a whole vocabulary that defines our sort of day-to-day existence and and influences in ways we don't think about and i guess that's what we're talking about with ted talks you know yeah and the and the kind of organizing you're talking about being inescapable personal branding is another one branding yeah. <laughs> yeah through social media right like it forces you to be a personal brand even if you reject that yes you know i think that complicates organizing and solidarity and a lot of things and i th-
2: and, and I think that the way that the corporate uh uh um um jargon making um it also reminds me of the way the military does it you know what I mean like where you don't like the way a certain thing sounds like uh you know like like dead enemies so you call them <laughs> collateral damage or, or collateral yeah. damage or something I think a lot of that to me that corporate type of of jargon reminds me of that military we want to take something and either take some like a really actually sort of banal concept like paying attention and then call it mindfulness and then <laughs> and then it's this whole other thing you know what i mean uh that we can now repackage and sell um but then but then that, and, but i'm also thinking of the weaselly things that that they do uh Shit, nothing's come- <laughs> there. It's it's replete with it, you know. If you've ever worked for a big company, oh yeah, no, I,
3: I do. I, I'm, you know, it's reframing. Uh, I won't give away where I work, but I can say that they just changed the health incentive. So now that like people that I work with and health there have to do forty thousand steps in order to earn their, you know, HSA money.
1: or voluntarily wear my Fitbit, but
2: oh man, you got to stop doing that.
1: I fight the man man no no this is this except this this is the thing you gotta remember I'm 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 technically a contractor which means my uh, my coverage is garbage and I don't have and it it is so it's not part of the regular Ah. the regular day job um ecosystem yeah so they I don't they don't you mean my garbage coverage doesn't even have the um the kind of like enforced or um um incentivized wellness bits
3: well that's good because you don't have to download a fucking app to talk about and and to do these like online quizzes about your sleep cycle or your nutrition. And oh my god! Yeah, it's.
2: Have you had to do that, Natasha?
3: Oh, I will have to do that. Ooh. I just I just logged on and I just looked at it for and of course. So it's is this a, to
0: maintain your coverage? Like, if you don't meet the goals, then you basically get penalized and you have to pay more. Is that it's, how you it don't works? have to
3: pay more? You just don't get your HSA money, which is actually when you have a you know three to five thousand dollar deductible. That's the only thing keeping you afloat yeah it's looks, well, it is, that's, yeah. The kind of,
0: that's the kind of thing that makes me you know think like what kind of society do we really have you <laughs> yeah. know? I know that, freak, like, that uh, freaks me
2: out what you just said freaks me out
0: yeah I mean and also the fit you know no offense about the Fitbit or whatever but just I realized because you said that, yeah. I was like, "Oh my God, they're everywhere!" It's like you said you wear it voluntarily, but like, at what point do they be, basically become mandatory? Because that's how health insurance works. Well, yeah? that's, I
1: mean, that's yeah, that's okay. what uh, I think. Well, the, my reasoning for wearing this is that I wanted, uh, I wanted a pedometer and a heart rate meter that I could patch into my phone because at least I could, rec- I could record it all, and, uh, and just as because especially when I was much more active, like trying to lose weight through Weight Watchers a few years ago, I figured I wanted to at least know do the uh make sure that i was doing the minimums and um i mean i'm an engineer by personality and by and by day jobs in my training so it's uh so
0: the tinkering aspect of it appealed to you <laughs> yes totally. yeah
1: one of the bits that i that i hope gets remembered in eons hence is the thing that the thing that set off the west virginia teachers' strikes was that they had to wear fucking Fitbits yep. just to get health insurance oh,
2: for real. That's where yeah, that's that's I exactly. first heard about that this.
1: was it that, And that was that was that was the um, you know, that was the t- that was the touch powder. That was that was it. That was finally like, OK, fuck you. We're doing something now. So on, on
0: book tour, I keep telling people about some of the new stuff that's coming down the pipe. And, you know, 60 minutes um, some weeks ago, like basically like right before I went on book tour at the end of April. Did a segment on the new thing out of MIT Media Lab, which is like a headpiece, like a headphones, headset kind of thing. But it, um, it uses the bone conduction uh, mm-hmm. technology to, to transmit sound in. Yeah. But it's also got a new way of essentially reading and decoding your conscious thoughts. Oh, boy.
2: This is a device that you put on and it intercepts the electrical signals
1: that your brain is sending to your vocal cords and sends that to a computer. And he gets the answer right in his ear through vibrations. You could be an expert in any subject. Mm-hmm. You have the entire internet in your head. That's the idea.
0: So, It's, it's if from you, a jaw right? It's something about? like yeah. that. It's picking up on sub or something yep. like mm-hmm. that. Talk to that. that are really, you know... Uh, up to speed, scientists say. I mean, the, it may have been a controlled demonstration. It may not work as well yeah. as they portrayed it at working. But if it works even a little bit, it's only a matter of time, like the Fitbit, until this kind of thing is mandatory. Yeah, you know, <laughs> the so that are coming for you. Well, you <laughs> have to think a problem. certain. You have to repeat certain thoughts in your head to <laughs> yeah. get your, you know, citizenship <laughs> or oh! something. I
3: mean. Presented for
0: your consideration, Springfield, an average little town with a not so
4: average. Monster. The people of Springfield have to make sure they think happy thoughts and say happy things, because this particular
1: monster can read minds and, if displeased, can turn people into grotesque
3: walking terrors.
4: Happy thoughts, happy thoughts. Boy, I'm getting mighty sick of this.
3: One thing I'd like to talk about with you in terms of your experience with Silicon Valley is this whole idea around productivity and, um, you know, just like you said, work, 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 because I feel like we're just increasingly moving towards a society that, you know, if you don't work 60 to 80 hours and don't kill yourself, you're not considered morally, like, righteous in any way, you know?
0: Allow me to... (laughs) crack a beer before I answer that question (laughs) go go for it there we go yeah (laughs) um (laughs) folks were partying
3: this one's for you non 60 hour worker
0: I uh I think it's terrifying and I can't imagine I mean I was on that treadmill you know and I you know developed as many people well uh Mm -hmm. some related health conditions Yeah. yeah you know I think stress is as bad as anything you can do to your body and we're basically in a culture where you know if you're not destroying your body and mind through like compulsive overwork then you're not doing enough or you're not contributing And, and and it's enforced in this really insidious way this sort of doer productivity culture where people are bragging about how much they work Mm -hmm. yeah and how and how little sleep they're getting and like it's completely pathological i mean if you uh if if you were to tell um you know people like our grandparents our great-grandparents age like the the routines Mm -hmm. of the average full-time (laughs) full-time professional worker Yeah. yeah It would. They would think you were insane, mm-hmm. you know. And they fought for a forty-hour week. Yeah, you yeah. know. And they were damn well going to use it for their own enjoyment. And I can't. I, it's. It's. The frightening thing, to me, is that people don't even seem to remember what it was like to enjoy idle time, or to do things right. on their own schedule, or to have an unscheduled day. Yeah, you yeah. know. And I'm cap- or to
2: hang out. I'm kept in idle time. Like I, I am not made for this world. <laughs> I should have been born like a, a, a you know, 18th century aristocrat or something. Shouldn't we all? Yeah, I mean, yeah. And it, and it's like, it, well, the thing that I that bothers me is that these people set. The standard, you know what I mean? It's not like like we can give these people like just shit to do, you know what I mean? <laughs> and have our socialist utopia where we we work you know seventeen hours a week and then knock yeah. off the rest of the time, and they could still have shit to do. You know they want that stuff to do. I think most people wouldn't
0: get there if they weren't sort of pushed in that direction. Mm-hmm. Though I,
2: I I don't I think
5: you
0: know
2: you don't think there's just busybodies and they just sure, want to sure, but doing I don't think there's the as many
0: as. We have created. Yeah, certainly. I think. I think, think the you're... natural rate of eighty-hour-a-week compulsives is much smaller than. <laughs> but you they know...
2: rise. They rise to the top of organizations, and then they set the standards for those organizations. No, they don't. The you people don't that think don't so? do
0: any work at all are already at the top. Yeah. I mean this is what I realized.
2: Okay, that's the, interesting.
1: The Peter Peter Principle.
0: I mean, I would say that you know the one thing at value I got out of a uh, uh, going to Ivy League grad school mm-hmm. for one year was <laughs> to realize that the people that got out of I- the Ivy mm-hmm. Leagues um, that were most successful were not the ones with the the 4.0 grade average that really killed themselves to you know ace the test. it's the ones that got the d- you know <laughs> in, in as many classes as possible because they're legacy admissions <laughs> and they're the ones that are going to ru- wind yes. up running and owning the companies anyway and they don't have to do anything and they know it and they flaunt it and that's how Ah. you know that's how
5: corporate Conference. culture works really, yeah. Nepotism.
0: yeah nepotism yeah and um Where, where'd you do where'd you do grad school columbia ah yeah um heard of it <laughs> i went to undergrad at evergreen in olympia okay and i cool. had this professor who was so this a slight contrast out of uh you know he, he came out he came from columbia and um i told him i got into columbia i'm going to columbia like this is like a week after graduation yeah. i was on campus and he's like great you know because he was talking stories about you know how to build a barricade with burning tires and stuff <laughs> 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 and um, burning, burning tires are in the news once again and but- he was really disappointed when i was like no i'm going back east try it. <laughs> yeah um so yeah I mean it's it was George W. Bush right I mean like classic example Mm -hmm. like the fact that he was a C or D student you know, which in any other educational institution would be an F, mm-hmm. right? A, right. A Harvard C is definitely an F. Um, <laughs> but that was just flaunting his status. You know, yeah. it's like, yeah. hey, my dad's, uh, you know, in charge of the CIA. Like, <laughs> what yeah. are you gonna do? Yeah. That was you know, fail the... <laughs> me. <laughs>
3: I can't. I can't. Well, I, I, can't uh... do the
1: ch- I can't do the chuckle. Yeah, that was the contrast. What his fa- uh You know, his, that, uh, you know, his father was his father was like what the football star i think his father actually played for the college team and he only made it as cheerleader verse and then <laughs> his father made it his father was H- World hw Wars.
2: was pretty butch like he was like a fighter pilot and, oh, yeah, and, and, and shit like that
1: and and w barely uh barely did anything with the air national guard but you know second time as farce
2: i just wanted to uh i just wanted to comment about how naive i am like what you telling me what you just said is like you know, I'm I'm from West Texas. I'm from El Paso, Texas, which is a very poor, one of the poorest big cities, you know, biggish cities in the country. And, and, and I certainly didn't grow up wealthy, but better than a lot of people in El Paso. And I just, I've never rubbed elbows with people like that. You I know didn't know. I mean?
0: I mean, I grew up in like, basically, most of the time in my hometown, uh, growing up was in a trailer park. So, mm-hmm. you know, and it's a very small town. I didn't have any exposure to that. I rolled up to Colombia like a greyhound, yeah, with like a suitcase and Sweet. a sleeping bag wrapped around a baseball bat because okay. my friend that like spent a lot of time on the road was like a hobo, a hobo taught me this trick. Yeah, and sure enough, on the way, some hobo was like, "That's good, I do that too." I'm like, nice. That's like
1: God. That's <laughs> all right, man. <laughs> talk about you know talk about your your, your 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 opening credit montage. Yeah, of like just opening it up and like. Like you know, similar to the scene, you know the opening scene from Die Hard, where he uh, he's like you know getting his baggage and he's got the gun in his uh, in his shoulder holsters. It's okay, I'm a cop. <laughs> Which you you still, need a montage.
2: Yeah. Um, I was thinking about that song from uh, Midnight Cowboy. Everyone's talking at me, and then you've got that bat with your with your sleeping bag on it, walking oh, yeah. into town. Not to say that you're you're going to new york to be a you know a prostitute or anything like that i can see you cut this out jeremy <laughs> hey we're all
1: we're all we're all we're all, uh, we're all slinging it for money uh, one way or the other that's right it's kind of what we're talking my, uh, about
3: my friend my roommate in college did interior design and then went to columbia for architecture school and now she works as a landscaper and she is infinitely more happy and
0: it's <laughs> like um you know that was like the real genius in that Mike Judge movie Office yeah. Space, right? Where in yeah. the end he's happy because he gets the the j- job he's where he gets to job. work outside. Yeah. yeah, you know.
5: This isn't so bad, huh?
1: Making bucks, getting exercise, working outside. Fucking a.
5: Fucking a. <laughs> <laughs>
3: so true though it's kind of i mean i've worked a lot of retail and manual labor jobs i did housekeeping for a year and a half in college and yeah it just teaches you a little bit more about like the reality of the situation and you know sometimes being able to maladaptive daydream during your job is actually kind of nice.
0: totally I, my first job out of college well i was temp but um yeah. you know the longest temp job i had was at a hus- as a hospital janitor or mm-hmm. excuse me housekeeper Yeah. um and I had to start real ass early, like 5 or 6 a.m., mm-hmm. but then I was out at, you know, 2 or 3. Yeah, 3. Yeah. Nice. And, um, like, I would come home and write for, like, 4 hours, and it was great, yeah. you know? I... I yeah. Uh, no, because I'd just been thinking, Exactly. Nobody bothered me. Thinking, and, and like, using chair. your body. That's yeah, nice. yeah. yeah, so, yeah getting some day, exercise, <laughs> actually. Yeah,
2: yeah. so you, you're actually, like, probably in better shape than you would be, you know, sitting at a desk all the time, you know what I mean? I.
3: If you've worked those jobs, you also have a certain appreciation for having worked those jobs, I feel like, and, and knowing what goes what goes into them. That's my take on it. I mean, I, I guess I didn't... I mean, I grew up in pretty shitty circumstances, but I still had a pretty lucky growing up and, you know, going to work for housekeeping, being the one white girl on a staff, like, in Arizona, working in a laundry, you know, mm-hmm. and just knowing that, like shit could be worse and i'm really lucky and i'm really i'm really grateful the people that i'm working with are really nice to me even though i don't speak spanish at all <laughs> like, <laughs> i learned japanese in high school man you know like sounds horrible but like i mean i came from a you know when you come from those like rural conservative areas it's very easy for you to get mixed up with some really shitty ideology i know i did
2: with regard to work
3: work yeah, yeah. of work, course. Yeah, absolutely
1: work, work well yeah the entire oh, like, yeah. belief superstructure yeah
3: yeah
2: uh, can you talk a little bit
1: about because uh, you have the um, because you have you know you've been you've been slanging books how's a how's the podcast book tour going rather than as opposed to say like a uh, a regular book tour I think you covered that a little bit before which I can kind of cut in but if you could talk about that
0: you know uh, so regular book tour this is my first book so I, it was an education for me it's like very regimented business travel and uh, it's not it's not that I don't you know I don't want to complain about it because i i feel fortunate um but it's it's not like the kind of travel i like to do on my own time at all <laughs> no. the best part of regular book tours after the event you get to see friends and i've had several people that subscribe to my podcast come to events and and show up and i'll be like oh cool i'm, I'm my i've got friends in town we're going out for beer like that's fun that's great that's the best part of a regular book tour mm-hmm. um podcast book tour is like people that you know either listen to your podcast or you listen to theirs and they get in touch and, and then it becomes sort of a um, a continuing conversation, right? I mean, if you listen to somebody's podcast and then you have them on, it's like picking up a conversation that you had already been having midway right. through, you know? Um, yeah. And I find that even like coming on this um, you know... If everybody's kind of listening to similar stuff, you know, we're all <laughs> yeah. having a. I feel like there's I a, know there's you. A, there's, a, there's a larger conversation. Yeah, yeah there's you yeah. know yeah, that's happening. Yeah, there's and, like four
1: or five shows I could link to. Like here, you know, for more, you know, if if you're interested in this, listen to Corey. Uh, you know, the Library of Congress recommends these uh, <laughs> these interviews on the on the following shows. Well,
3: it's kind of nice though that that's the great thing about the podcast community, especially when it comes to the leftist one. Like, I think it just there is a mixing of things, but it it just kind of makes you feel a little bit special Well it's
2: kind of fun too because it's like it's like oh we don't have to talk about this in detail because we all know what we're talking about you know whatever it is don't have to explain why capitalism is bad yeah exactly we don't yeah like we don't we don't have to go like oh uh well this is what liberals are like am i right you know because we're all like we understand like there's a difference between being you know kind of on the on the one end of the left and versus being a liberal you know what i mean and
0: yeah, so you know, in a in a practical way of answering your que- or a concrete way of answering your question is like so on podcast book tour, I get to go five or six steps beyond <laughs> Yeah, you know mm-hmm. just d- 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 the answering the questions, you know, in, in if I do a mainstream show or event, it's like uh actually, you know, I get basically to the the, the basic thesis of the book, which is like actually tech isn't this great. <laughs> Emancipatory. So we understand you wrote a project. book. That's cool. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Oh God. Um, whereas in the podcast, it, like people tend to know where I'm coming from, they've maybe read some of my stuff before or mm-hmm. heard me on other shows, and you know, then it can be a conversation that's more finely grained, like we've been having, or it can be like. You know something more sophisticated, like is tech part of the answer? You know, is there a, is there a socialist uh, utopia that involves tech, uh, or is it or is tech something that we need to get away from? Mm-hmm. You know, in order to reclaim our humanity or whatever. Like those are much more interesting questions than I, get, I tend to get on the the sort of mainstream shows or on um, you know from audience at events. Not not to disparage anyone that's come to any event or that is thinking about coming and asking a question. I definitely don't want to no, discourage No questions are that.
3: stupid. Just ask. Um,
0: okay. But you never know. Like, you never know where people are starting from. Yeah. So, uh, on So, you know, just going on a lefty podcast circuit is like, you have a starting point for the conversation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's like showing up to a party where it's like, oh, how do you know the host? Mm-hmm. Versus showing up to... A party where nobody knows anybody yeah. and mixer. you've got it yes <laughs> you know speed dating or something yeah. and you've got to start from zero a ted talk
1: speed, or a ted <laughs> th- does, does speed dating still exist yes okay hell
2: yeah none of that
1: shit
3: Oh, ever it's, goes it's even away. better because it becomes more niche now so it's oh, like God. if you're really into anime or something like that i don't know yeah,
1: yeah. that's throwing it up. anime speed dating seems like it would be both could be both better and worse yeah The Q and A aspect of of the book tour of the the the, the and, and the difference between say the your uh, you know leftist podcast chat versus Normie book tour thing. I had a rare occasion to to bridge the two. Uh, almost oh god, this is almost a month ago now, but a few a few weeks ago when the aforementioned Barbara Ehrenreich was at Powell's to do her, her book to re, book reading and it was kind of like a very much more informal cuz like she was just being interviewed by a a host from KBU, you know the local uh, freeform hippie uh, radio station and but she had a she had the Q&A section and me being me perks up at the end cuz I was in the audience uh it just asked her you know it's like oh, oh you know if you know can can I hey can I ask you a political question and she's like yeah sure so i asked her like what she felt about like just the 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 reignition and the explosion of leftist organizing in the last couple of years, especially since the group that she helped found and at one point was the co chair of the Democratic Socialists of America, like what she thought about that. He like, "Yeah, that's great," and she just went on for like a good like five ten minutes talking about that, and it was um and like how the um first that it was an interesting reaction because of I think the audience had never heard of the group before for you know uh, not too shocking but like she said that yeah the best thing the, the best non electoral thing they're doing is the break light like, the brake light clinics and you know they should do one around here and that and then when she mentioned that just the um you could see the, there was a palpable reaction from like her audience You're like wait wait what you know we, that's awesome we should you know we should help out with that and it was just the um yeah, that was cool. Yeah, and I was able to like, talk to like five or six people afterwards because I was wearing my DSA shirt and even like giving out little contact cards. Like, yeah, well, here's you know, here's our her website. We're having do the general meeting. La da yada yada, and even got to talk to her like at the very end of it and gave her gave her a little like local chapter DSA pin that she was happy about. So
0: that's cool. She's uh, she's one of the best. She know. rocks. I'm I'm sort of bummed that her most recent book is about her. Uh, expectation of dying mm-hmm. yeah. soon, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> soonish yeah. or whenever, you know, she's ready for it. I mean, I don't know what that, I haven't read it yet. Uh, I don't know if there's some big reveal at the end. Like,
3: she had had a brush with cancer as far as I right, know. Right, that was, that was yeah.
0: like her, maybe not her previous book, but yeah. recent one. Yeah, um,
1: yeah, I think, in fact, I even have... I can't remember if it was her her last book or one a couple years ago. I think just picked up the uh the book that she wrote about um just trashing the positive thinking movement in America. Like the entire book of, like, you know, fuck these people. This is bullshit. That I that, uh uh Rachel my girlfriend just devoured in the course of like two nights and said it was great. So I yeah. still need to uh it's on the it's on the ever increasing stack of stuff to read. So uh well,
0: I I, uh, I hope I get to meet her eventually. We sure a publisher, so one of these one of these days, I'm yeah. sure I'll cross paths with her. But um, you know, it's very on point considering what we've been talking about. I mean, you know, the motivational stuff, the TED talks. Um, I think that it can be refreshing to hear from people um, who are that much older because the culture is so mm-hmm. it has shifted inexorably toward. You know, yeah, a kind of uh, you know pedophilia almost of like you know this youth <laughs> yeah. worship, yes. like you know when more it,
1: yeah, more so than it was like the last fifty years too. It even yeah, it's
0: well, I you know I'm I'm turning thirty six this June, mm-hmm. and um, you know that's basically dead as far as <laughs> media goes. Like the Onion did a thing um, uh a few years ago of like. Twenty-four year, twenty-four year old journalist, you know, looks over his shoulder and at the, you know, his replacement, you know, he's getting yeah. aged out, and it's like
1: totally true.
3: I believe it. Yeah.
1: yeah. God, I'm older than all of you, so yeah.
3: I know. I'm I'm turning thirty-four this year, and I still feel like as a woman, it's sort of like you're getting into those. Like, as soon as I hit forty, I'll just disappear into the ether, and no one will see me anymore. Oh man. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> not true. But you know, you see, feel that way. You know?
1: Ah and yet we're all here (laughs) and yet we we remain
3: I was just kidding it was a really bad joke I'm sorry
2: no that was a funny joke it was funny Uh, can we can we talk about Elon Musk just for a minute? Because sure, one of, my, one of my great joys in life is is uh, watching Elon Musk uh, 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 flame out. Yeah, just fucking go nuts. <laughs> well,
0: none, I mean, what's what's flame out isn't quite right because That's nothing's going to happen. Yeah, nothing's bad, sure. bad It's will just ever like a few more people know that he's a jackass, which yeah. has been evident for quite some time. Um,
2: and we don't have to spend a lot of time on Elon Musk. But uh, what, what do I want to ask you about Elon Musk?
3: I spent ten years on Reddit. I did not think I know Elon Musk.
2: Well, my th- my thing. So I love like posting on Facebook when Elon Musk is, you know, being ridiculous, and and people love him. Yeah, you what's get, there's the no, deal?
0: Uh, it's because they think that he's going to save the planet. Like they think that, or, or like, yeah. or fucking Bezos. It's core. Yeah, it's core American. Uh, talk about you know indoctrination. Mm-hmm. Like genius. Wealthy genius comes up mm-hmm. with world changing technology to save the planet, or Tony Stark. I mean, yeah, that Tony was Stark. The, thing. That's That's the more t- appropriate Tony one. Stark. Yeah. See, I yeah. didn't read
2: comics as a child. Well, leave th- me alone. You know, you
0: Robert Downey Jr. when he was took over the role of Iron Man for the Hollywood franchise said that Elon Musk was his sort of model mm-hmm. for the way that he played the character, although he of course brought his own sort of manic energy yeah. to it. I don't think. Musk is that sort of—he's not that interesting. witty or interesting, <laughs> or charming. No, as amusing, yeah, and, and, or
1: as and, like, yeah,
2: charming as, uh,
1: or that he would ever have like such drama wrung out of any particular any like you know substance abuse issues. Well,
0: right, and the abuse of family and all that. But um, you know, I think uh, who knows how much of his sort of mentality is shaped by the abusive father versus you know the fact that he was growing up like. Uh, you know, white South African mm-hmm. with servants and the whole bit. You know, yeah. I think it's
1: probably a little of both. Yeah. But, you probably. know, eighties white South Africa. Yeah,
2: yeah. I just, I just, I find him to be a really interesting, an interesting person in that respect because he just, you know, to me he's P. T. Barnum, and to a lot of people he's Carl Sagan. Or but we or love Tony Stark. P. T.
0: Barnum. If P. T. Barnum were alive today, he would be, you know uh he would be famous he would be wealthy he would have political friends
2: you know <laughs> mm-hmm. uh,
3: well, i get yeah, yeah he'd have earned it too
2: i suppose i'm not an expert on pt barnum but i'll you know i'll, I'll take your word Man, for you're it. oh you're you're,
1: you're in luck there was a recent biography bi- uh biopic about him featuring many production numbers that i think is apparently quite you know quite accurate to the history that's available for you on uh digital download that came that was
0: a th- that got a theatrical release didn't it
1: oh yeah it did Hugh I didn't watch it. it
0: because my sense of it was that it sort of was a hagiography.
1: More than, as far as I know, probably, it probably it has to. It's 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 a musical. It Are has you to about be a
3: musical. Yes, oh.
1: the Greatest Showman, the uh, oh. the Hugh Jackman one.
3: Yeah. Which I, oh, like, that's, I that's, think
1: there's a different one. Wait. Oh, okay. Wait, wasn't that's P, that's PT. Bar- that, that's PT Barnum the uh, Hugh Jackman plays PT P. Barnum in, in that fucking movie, I doesn't he? I run
3: away from musicals nowadays. I
1: still haven't seen the
0: Howard Hughes movie that had like Leonardo DiCaprio or whatever. Yeah. Oh, I mean, I'm not sure anybody saw that movie. No.
2: <laughs> no,
3: Scorsese
1: made
0: it, so some people saw it, but.
2: I don't
3: know. Scorsese. I
0: haven't met We've one of them, Jeremy. I watched. Pro- produce for me someone who has seen that movie. I watched no. Hugo because Scorsese did it, and I Hugo feel like that's actually cute.
3: It was though. okay. It was. <laughs> it was cute. It was a kids' movie. It yeah.
2: was. It was. It was. Uh, was, it, was it three and a half hours? Almost. Almost. Fucking Scorsese! God damn it.
1: The um, yeah. one th- and this has been this has been notated uh, recently and everything from like uh, recent podcast to other commentators, but the just the humor and of like a fucking course it took this it was that the whole thing that sparked the most recent turn in elon musk's change of public perception was just him showing up to the fucking met gala like with you know with grimes on his arm looking you know both of the, uh at some both of them wearing lifts his lift looked lo- looked taller than hers and um, You mean
3: shoes you mean with shoes, heels.
2: Yeah, shoes that make you look taller? Yes.
3: yes. Okay.
0: Well, all these guys at his level, I mean, you know, it, it, people have pointed out his miraculous hair regrowth, of, yeah. you know, but Bezos sort of set the road by getting really jacked up. Yeah, he got... And like, that. he looks like fucking, he, uh, like... He looks like Vin Diesel's uncle. Yeah!
1: <laughs> yeah, he. Both, I mean, that, and that's but a, you
0: go in back and look at just a few years ago, and it's like, what kind of? I, I wonder about their fucking steroid regimen. You know, yeah. like this. Oh, you know it. Yeah, because uh, you know these are these are not people that do things. They love shortcuts, they love right? Shortcuts. And and the and there were lots of stories about the Google guys and, the and their fascination with nootropics. New, new Peter Thiel was the blood, but yeah. nootropics have been big in Silicon yeah, Valley for a while. So it's like, what kind of drugs are these guys eating? Just you know, not
1: just that, but again, yeah, just you know, the '90s are back again. We're going to get you know if, if you can remember tales from early Lollapalooza. Fucking smart drinks are going to come back if they're not back already. Because that's whats isn't. Aren't nootropics effectively just the modern version of smart drinks, or am I mixing that up in my head? These are pills that you take that are supposed to enhance your brain
0: this capabilities. Like, this is
3: like it's off limitless. market ADHD medication. Yeah, <laughs> oh dear. Yeah.
0: Yeah, and it, it's interesting that all of the big sort of um, you know free to watch uh, fringe hosts on YouTube and and radio and mm-hmm. stuff are in the supplement market. Oh, yeah. You know, it's like. And, and you go yeah, look like at to what? like two a person
1: they're, they're, <laughs> they're yeah. every single one. Folks, oh, folks, you got. I got something here. You know, we talk about a lot of things here. I got, I got something here. So yeah, Let, go to my website right now and you know, let's see the, the new uh, Austin fish oil here, Austin. And I'll tell you what, there's you know all these globalists out there. But right? I'm, 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 slowly leeching into something between Macho Man and Hulk Hogan. <laughs> I tell you all these, all all these globalists, brother. <laughs> all, listen to the mean gene. You anyway. <laughs> sorry that no, happened
3: that reminds me of liking your tweet about dead milkman
0: <laughs> oh
3: <laughs> we gotta play what that what did song. I say
0: about dead yeah gonna play our outro music but oh the, St- the Stewart, S- Stewart Stewart classic dead Milkmen track which I was tweeting about the other day because if you listen to lyrics of that song it's everything, <laughs> everything. that's happening now jeez uh, and <laughs> you know it, it, it. it's framed as a conversation a monologue really between a uh, a man and his neighbor, who he's schooling on on the hidden conspiracies, um, <laughs> driving, you know, the country and and it's something about gay Martians. Oh and yeah,
3: they're,
1: <laughs> they're, 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 like, they're building
3: landing strips for gay Martians.
1: <laughs> that's hey, at least hey, who knew that Martians had two genders? Yeah, they're putting
3: um, stuff in the water to make the frogs gay. That's it's, true. It's, it's, this is the equivalent, yeah, it's a, uh, but nineteen eighties yeah. punk, right?
1: Oh, the, uh, it, actually, that does. We'll use that as a very handy segue because one of the things I do want to talk about because it's been it's for a, an object of fascination for me for. I think. Uh, where did it go? It's not here. I had a, oh,
3: there it is. <laughs> he knows where every book is in his house at every time.
1: Oh, no. He's like the
3: Doctor Strange. Since
1: reading this, a uh, copy of Voodoo Histories. Um, way back in like I think like oh nine somewhere I think like oh nine or so a book by Dan is either Dan or David Abramovich David I've um, been like far oh um, just fascinating with not just conspiracy theory but at this point more the mechanisms and the functions of because like there's always going to be a thousand weird like conspiracy conspiracy theories but I've been fa- but I'm more interested about how do they work and like what do they actually you know why are they you know why do we need them cuz i think they serve very particular purposes and i was like one cuz like you've written about a couple of these things before and i think between either i mean you've got uh, i think even your, some of your trips either to like you know like the ufo convention or even like down, you know just some of the folks that you've met in uh, in silicon valley have to have like you know gotten into this stuff
0: well i think you know we're all into it now i i think um I mean, yeah, we have a president that gained public, you know, prominence, <laughs> not, uh, you know, he, you know, he was on TV and he had his real estate business, whatever, but like what made him political was doing the birther mm-hmm. conspiracy yeah. and promoting that. Yeah. Um, I, I think, you know, I, I, I put forward I did a baffler essay where I put forward a definition of a conspiracy theorist as a shitty detective mm-hmm. yeah I read that one
1: today I like that um, yeah they're, they are aware that there's something wrong but I mean because
0: you know Peter Thiel for instance at Silicon Valley VC that um,
5: friend actually of the show sta- yeah
0: friend of the show <laughs> the <laughs> staged empire staged a uh, staged a elaborate conspiracy to take down his you know despised uh nemesis gawker media mm-hmm. through a front uh uh setting up a front of a lawsuit by hulk hogan yeah. and, and yeah, secretly and bankrolling the thing yeah. and the same time he was doing that and people didn't know yet he he did a debate hosted by the baffler with david Graeber, the anarchist yeah. professor well, who, um, who himself dead. has a book Death about like shin- five thousand years and also yeah.
1: uh graber himself has a recent book called bullshit jobs coming out Actually, shit, that's, that thing's out about the same time, too. Yeah,
0: his, his, his is doing pretty well, I think. At least he's he's all over, uh, you know, with excerpts and stuff. But anyway, anyway yeah. so, uh, you know, somebody from the Times, New York Times was there, and I had this Baffler piece about Teal's connection to the sort of fascist underground in Silicon Valley. And they asked him about it, and he called me a conspiracy theorist, nice. which they quoted. And, you know this is coming from a guy who was actively engaged in a conspiracy so as a reporter (laughs) you know investigative reporter i say you know conspiracies do happen you know yeah right um the the thing about uh the sort of media culture we have now and limited access to relevant information is like you know people become conspiracy theorists because they want answers for things that are like their senses and their minds are telling them it shouldn't work this way this is wrong or you know I keep doing what I'm told to do, and I come out the loser. Or, yeah, and you know, I see the same kinds of people winning and different kinds of people losing, and they and they look for, they look for answers, and they don't know necessarily because they're not, you know, trained to do research or whatever how to find information. So they fall for all sorts of logical fallacies and dead ends, and that that becomes. Conspiracy theory, yeah, and I right. love
3: the, the the precept that there there's a an assumption that people are are are, are so aware and doing that fourth dimensional chess where they're able to like figure things out and do it, and on the other hand, that you have this sort of inability to see yourself as as actually being able to like recognize real facts and like being able to uncover truths, they just take whatever they can and then start piecing things together like it's a puzzle.
2: Well, I think that they get. I mean, you know, it's like
3: satisfaction out of it yeah them. you I eat mean, get...
2: shit in your normal life all the time and then you can go online and be like i'm figuring something out special. i'm getting to the bottom of yeah. something you know do what I the mean? research yeah. I, yeah i'm actually <laughs> i'm actually like part of of doing something and and it's like i understand the allure of that you i went I to mean? the third
1: page of google man
2: <laughs>
3: <laughs> who does that
2: to, I I
1: read both the wiki and the uh, and the rational wiki entries on the same
3: subject, man. I know shit. The undictionary article.
0: Uh yeah, but you see it you all. Know, okay, so I, you know, earlier in my career I spent a lot of time sort of like debunking conspiracy type stuff that I found very silly or or entertaining.
1: Rest in peace Art Bell.
0: Well, I and but I've also loved that kind of stuff since I was a kid. Um so you know, and uh, Alex—I jo- mean, Alex Jones—is somewhat painful because I remember him as just like he was in that Philip K. Dick uh, yeah, movie. Yeah, yeah. Fucking you know? uh,
1: Linkletter. Linkletter put him in two different animate. There are two different animated films that Linkletter yeah, he was included in include, Life* included and, and in.
2: *A Scanner Dark*.
4: Where did Substance D come from? Why can't we stop it? The bigger this war gets, the more freedoms we lose. The more Substance D is on our streets. Can't you figure this out? Look around you! Look how far we've come! Humanity wasn't meant to live like this! Our every waking moment, Trapped and traced and scanned! It's time to stop submitting to this tyranny! It's time to realize that we're being enslaved! Uh-oh, it's our tax dollars at work, protect us from ourselves! Hey guys, I used to be one of you! Stop selling out your own species!
0: Yeah, Yeah. he seems sort of harmless, and and, and Art Bell, not even, even Art Bell wasn't necessarily harmless in a way, but... um, Not in the 90s, uh, hell no, but yeah. Alex Jones um, didn't used to be on this whole, uh, you know, Nazi kick, in my (laughs) recollection, but I think he determined that it was more profitable. Anyway... uh, where was i going with that oh my god <laughs> you're talking
1: about, about growing, debunking growing earlier in your oh yeah so debunking career.
0: okay so there was a guy i used as sort of academic expert cuz i did a story um for the alt weekly in santa fe new mexico when i was working there about the 2012 this was yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. this was like 2011 yeah. so i was writing about the topical yeah and i the, went i went to uh some some ceremonies mm-hmm. where they you know it's like some kind of Mayan fire ceremony or whatever and and i went with the crystal new agey people and and did their whole thing and got enmeshed in it and and did a story about, you know, one of the central characters was this guy who was like an astrologer and he'd come up with a lot of theories and then this more popular writer kind of ripped him off. So there was like plagiarism <laughs> accusations uh-huh. and all this stuff, but for stuff that, that was nonsense. And so I talked to this academic who was like a real, you know...
1: Academic, Ac-
0: yeah, PhD archaeologist, and had done you know research down uh, at the mm-hmm. Mayan temples, and was like, "No, here's what they're wrong about," and he's going wild, off Do- wildly, and it's bogus research.
1: Yeah, a real Dr. Jones.
0: Anyway, you know, and I'm not going to say his name. Um, I guess pe- I've given enough people to find it, but I, I don't want to. Uh, we're still sort of like internet friends or whatever. <laughs> so, uh, Co- but
1: call him Dr. Jones. How about yeah. that,
0: okay, Dr. Jones? So Dr. Jones, I used as my example of. A rational enlightened person, but you know we follow each other on social media, and he follows like Louise Mensch and yep. says whatever <laughs> oh. his name abramson and, oh. and so this is why I say we're all conspiracy theorists now yeah, because yeah. this guy that I held up as like a beacon of rational thinking, yeah, is now way off the deep end with the Russia gate stuff no. russia and Absolutely. and I'm just you know uh I'm kind of sitting back and thinking, you know. We're all open to criticism on this front. Oh, yeah. We some kind of some kind of um, sort of information paradigm has been shattered, and we're I guess we're all having trouble post internet mm-hmm. keeping track of what's real. And, Absolutely, you know right. what's reliable information and what's not, because. I don't think we're all, I don't think anybody is like a perfectly rational being. This is what, like what well, all no, the yeah, Sam Harris, Jordan Peterson <laughs> type people want to think of themselves oh, yeah. as, right? I'm
3: logical on everyday basis. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Well, yeah, yeah, I am logical, but also, yeah, and, and of course, reason and rationality are gendered because reason and rationality are hard, masculine things, oh, whereas just, emotion is soft I like soft being and the different. dragon
3: snake witch I always wanted to be. Well, yeah. and
2: I think that they, I think that they think that reason gets you to do shit. And it's like it. That has never. No, been that's the not case. You know what I motivates mean? people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think that that's one of the biggest mistakes that they make because then they think that they're impervious to their own, you know, passionate stirrings. And I keep pull, oh, sorry. I, just keep, <laughs> I keep pulling up useful examples. But
3: We're just watching Jeremy. Like,
1: so I don't know who this is, is for. Though, though, Jeremy, is I don't yeah, know. This is this, is this, is for, the this is for the for the yeah, viewing the, audience. Yeah, for the viewing audience. <laughs> the. Um, like um which i guess at this point is is connor connor (laughs) look at all these cool like reading subject uh uh, suggestions but it's um no i just want but i just want to mention yeah george Lakoff's actually book like the political mind which is it's pretty much him talking about how i think what what leads into it is that we're still most people are still stuck with like this 18th century version of like how we think and like we are you know we are rational you know uh rational man and and whatnot well
2: and it's comforting to think that we are right you know what i mean like 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 friedrich nietzsche disabused me of this like like he was the one or like i guess david hume kind of did too but 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 nietzsche was the one that really hammered it home is like no this is this is the fucking mess that we all are you know
1: yeah Uh, nietzsche's line was something like we are effectively like cattle only with with brains a little bit too large
2: yeah kind of i mean uh but, but just just on the whole tip of, 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 of reason not being the thing, even if we are have the capacity for reason, reason is not why we've done anything. Anything. It's, we haven't gone, uh, you know what we think we ought to do, and then it's not what we want to do, but we'll go do that. You know what I mean? It's like, no, that, that's never been. It's a better
0: definitely way. not um, how people are persuaded. and <laughs> Right. Uh, you know, even the idea of persuasion, I'm sort of off of, which um, in, in is straight well, the idea that through um, the correct succession of facts and arguments oh, you, you and can, framing that you can change someone's mind about something specific. Yes, I mean that's
2: the whole left versus center-left problem right now. You know yeah. what yeah. I mean? Like,
1: yeah, whether If if uh, because because uh, reason is universal, therefore, you know, give it give. And give it any person the, the 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 same premises; they will, you know, work through it and come come out with the same conclusions. Therefore, all you need to do is give people the facts, yeah. and then they will, like you know, you know, they'll yeah. agree with you. you. You know, you don't need to like you know you don't need to persuade people. You don't need to, you know, uh, suggest things to people. You just have you know just here give people like these unattached, unattainable facts, and uh, and then wonder you know, and that's why. You know, per, 100% of all people believe that we found WMD in uh, in Iraq because that's what happened. That's just the, the which is the... the I mean, yeah,
3: yeah, and I think I think that, that there's a myth that you can rationalize and persuade people to change their minds in general, especially if you're coming from a, a place of, like, perceived power. And that's the one thing that I've learned a lot from just listening to marginalized communities is just going, like, you're being forced to continually push up and try to convince these people to give a shit about you or anything.
0: It's also why, you know, no matter what Trump says or does, there's people that are bought in and like nothing (laughs) Nothing that their perceived enemies say or do will cause them to do anything except embrace him more strongly. And and that's something that I think a lot of uh, so-called reasonable people have have failed to apprehend because it goes against their own ideological biases and assumptions.
1: Yeah, yeah. Cause, yeah, and that's that's one of the things I keep like referring people to like a couple of, like George Lakoff's last book about because he's written about the, the problem is not just because his his take forever was about framing and whatnot and you know why people believe the way things they do and then eventually became realizing that that's not enough um, that just the 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 model we used for um, uh, for like how people think is just completely or. The popular model that a lot of like high status you know kind of like semi-clueless professional media people you know the uh the the intellectual types that kind of like uphold the you know the ideas of the, of the ruling class or so are just completely like based on this two you know this model that's two or three centuries out of date
3: yeah their brains broke and they, they're continuing to be broken on twitter and it's really fun to like hate follow some people and be like you know, like they're like waiting for the savior to come in and change everything, you know. Like it's if it's not Russia, it's not impeachment, it's not whatever. If it's Me Too, it's anything that they can use that they think that like there's gonna be some place of authority and power that's gonna come and fix everything. It's like fuck you. <laughs> and not-
1: now and now we return to the Posadists. <laughs> Sorry. That that's you know, <laughs> Oh, yeah. we need
3: the aliens to come down. Yeah, yeah, the
1: aliens will come down and save us all. Or uh, you know, after after uh, after a nuclear war.
3: Yeah, I'd believe that before. I believe any kind of political
1: change one one of the things we do just to wrap up a show is if you have any recommendations for stuff that you've been digging or or authors that you've been what you've been really enjoying or stuff that you want other people to check out um we try to usually go around the table ask somebody for something you know like kind of like the standard like you know um endorsements and recommendations for stuff that other other folks should uh check out would anyone anyone like to go first for something you could I recommend? I want to go last. Okay. <laughs> I,
0: I, or at least not first. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I
2: queued something up, so um, I've been, me and my uh, fiancé... Your fiance. My fiance have been uh, reading aloud to each other, which is a new thing, but Aww, it's it's a nice way to really spend sweet. it's a nice way to spend time. And we're reading one of her favorite books. It's called uh, Fifty Shades of Grey. No, sorry, it is called Fifty Shades of Grey. <laughs> Jeremy, thank you for stepping. No, that's, uh, God, that's no, a horrible prank joke. I should
1: have said. Uh, I should have said that. While I shrugged.
2: Yeah, we <laughs> were reading. I it shrugged. Um, it's called The Sparrow. It's about it's about a twenty year old book. So so it's and it's sci fi. So it and it's happen. It's actually a lot of it's happening like in the year 2018. So, you know, but it's, it's actually surprisingly cool how close to right. She gets a lot of this. Stuff. Is that Octavia Butler or... no, the author's name is Mary Doria Russell. Oh, okay. Um, Different it, one. It's an excellent book. It is a science fiction book. Um, but it's a really philosophical book about, uh, a lot, of, a lot about, um, the nature of faith and belief in God and, uh, and stuff like that. And it's, 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 ex- it's really really well written and it, and it actually helps you explore ideas without feeling like it's, um, I don't know. I don't know. Like didactic. Would that be the word for it? Like, like it it, or pedantic. Well, it just, it uses, it uses actual, like beautifully, beautifully made prose to, to, to tell you something without, you know, without it seeming like this book is here to teach you this lesson, which it isn't. I mean, it, it, you know, it, 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 there's a lot of loose ends in the book. Um, as as far as that's concerned but anyway it's a, it's a very good book the sparrow by something doria russell mary doria russell there we go that cool that's awesome nat do you have anything or
3: yeah i'm gonna be a really boring person <laughs> here and uh recommend citations needed which i've been listening to the back catalog i have to catch up on because when you edit your own podcast you don't really listen to podcasts um because you just get tired of hearing voices and <laughs> yeah anyway so um I just really like that Adam Johnson and Nima Shirazi are really getting crazy on Twitter right now because they're so pissed off that they're just sort of losing it, which is great. They do really good media studies and talking about how media frames our perspectives of different things and talking to different guests. And I'm sure you're all familiar with them because everybody that listens to this podcast probably does already listen to them, but I'm just going to wreck that. And also I'm going to wreck Corey's Baffler articles because they're great. Oh thanks. Yeah, that's I really real liked nice. your computer science one especially. I, I went, That
0: one got a pretty big backlash.
3: I love it. I awesome. was hoping
0: to talk about it but we don't have time. Yeah. That's all right. I'm in the neighborhood. We can do
1: another <laughs> episode sometime. <laughs>
3: Just get a beer. Um, I don't have to record it.
1: Yeah, I uh what, I, conversations I, that that aren't recorded don't happen. I thought you know, you're a podcaster, I you do know, know these. I anyway. do know. Sorry to interrupt you.
0: Know, no, that's okay. I uh I'm really embarrassed to be admit that I um you know my brain's been semi-functional since the book tour. <laughs> I, I haven't book. been reading a lot. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so you know, I can have a, I have a couple of strains that I could recommend. Nice. Uh, Which ones? <laughs> I'm listening. Well, no, I I'm
3: serious.
1: Th- this, yeah, this is this is a uh, a, a, a West Coast based podcast. So yeah, yeah. Uh, uh,
0: I like to mix this high CBD strain called um, Astral Works. Nice. Okay. I love it. <laughs> With another with another strain that's completely the other direction called uh, Unicorn Horn. Oh, nice! Of
1: course, there's a strain called Astral Works.
0: Yeah.
3: That's my next one. I'm, I'm
2: digging one called Black Cherry Soda. Right. Now. Cool. I yeah.
3: had Pineapple Fields Forever yesterday, okay. and I, oh, I haven't even it. heard of that.
1: <laughs> my 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 intoxicative choice is cheap beer. So I yeah. was just
0: in uh, Washington State and California, and the weed isn't as at least like you know they both have recreational dispensaries now, but it's just not as good. It's as better it's here. Yeah, yeah, it's good, better right? here. Like yeah, because you here. can
3: get high strain CBD better which and is cheaper. Like people are like, you can get CBD, and I'm like Connor yeah. disagrees. Yeah. I think.
5: No. No. Best weed is in L.A.
0: Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, I haven't i had any All right. weeds. Well, so we time. I, well. Anyway, uh, an you know, try, 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 try it. Try, try, try this marijuana. i for sure. Yeah.
3: <laughs> I'd ask you which shop you're going to, but that's kind of. Like... Uh,
0: I <laughs> I would want to get a commission on it.
2: if I were to
1: yes, recommend. So that we, we, we don't. Yeah, we, we don't, don't advertise mention. on this. Yeah, we don't. We don't. We Tell don't. Yeah, we we don't deliberately mention private businesses unless the unless we. I'm gonna
2: mention mine. Kindheart Collective on on North Denver Street in Portland. You have it. Tom Garrett sent you. They won't know who the fuck you're
3: talking about. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, no, I've, I go on that. I go there.
1: Yeah. Uh, the, the the two recommendations I want to give is one is a, bo- a recent book put out by Verso called "Mistaken Identity: Race and Class in the Age of Trump" by uh, Assad. Is it Assad hater? I think it's Assad hater. Assad hater. Yeah. Assad Hader. yeah. Um, I believe it was the younger brother Shuja, you? uh, which is a great book talking about the history. I think a lot of it is is effectively like his um, a mix of how how do you want to how do you want to pitch that? Just it's like his response to kind of like what identity politics started as versus like how it got corrupted and very much going into the history and laying out why um, what was originally called, well, what became called identity politics, you know, came from a very necessary time and place and also like how it is and also detailing like you know like i said how it got corrupted and vulgarized through opportunistic politicians and clickbait and mass social movements that decided that they were going to detach themselves from much more like you know an actual like material you know like ground level working class movement and instead just kind of like float off into the ether about and, and only like be concerned about you know policing people's uh you know, language and like that's about it. Mm-hmm. It's a great book. It is a very quick read. It is out by Verso. They have it. The ebook is real cheap as so well kind of things. I heavily recommend it, folks. The other thing I would recommend is a game put out by a uh, called Stellaris, which is a what is called a 4X game. It's a lot like the game called Civilization, only it is about you are managing. Kind of an alien race building your own empire where you have to kind of do this standard like explore explain expand exploit and exterminate and it is a lot of fun especially they just put out a recent story pack where at one point they started um it's kind of a thing where when you're exploring a new solar system you occasionally find these little anomalies which are little like story elements and then the story elements is where the writing shines. Like it's one of those things where they hid Bertrand Russell jokes in this game. Nice. So like I said, it's if you get a chance, um, check out Stellaris and also Assad haters book called Mistaken Identity Out from Verso. All right. Uh is there anything um anything that y'all would like to plug or how can folks get a hold of you? Uh special guest will let you know oh, first. Yeah. I'm reading at Powell's on June
0: eighth, seven thirty PM on Burnside. Um Live, Work, Work, or Die is the book. I'll be there with friends. Come check it out.
3: Definitely. Uh, where can they find you online?
0: Oh, uh, at Corey Pine is probably the easiest. <laughs> C O R E Y P E I N. My website is CoreyPine.net. Uh, and if you want to get in touch with me, there's an email there or just tweet at me, whatever.
3: Definitely at, yeah, on Twitter, right? Yeah. Nobody ever says that, I know. Um, <laughs> you can find me, Natasha, on Twitter at Ashes for Foxes. I chose that name before I decided to do something on Twitter. Um, so that's why it's six. Uh, but you can also check out my podcast at Meta M E T A M A S H I N A. That's machine in Russian. Uh, yeah. Enjoy. We, we talk about monster husbands, uh, dinosaurs, orc mating rituals creative uses of lightsabers.
2: Yeah. Um, I'm at Comrade Garrett on Twitter. You can uh, tune in for the every uh, seven or eight weeks when I actually tweet something. Um, do you tweet your upcoming gigs? <laughs> uh, I don't because I don't know who on that, I, that follows me on Twitter would give a shit about that. But uh, if, if you want to, I'm in a, a newer group called Late Shift. Uh, we do sort of classic country and Western swing. Um, you can find that at Facebook. Uh, you know, facebook.com slash late shift country. Um, I'm playing a gig on Friday. Nice. At the star day.
3: You're going to be able to strum? What
2: fr- no, what- I'm going to just have my cast on. I'm just singing. Uh-huh. This is going to be weird.
3: Oh, okay.
1: I, I what uh, uh What Friday?
2: Uh, the, it's, it, I mean, I was just kidding, Jeremy. That's not like it's going to matter for the, oh, for okay. the show. I was going to say, it's, it's like, wait a it's, minute. It, it is this coming Friday. Oh, Jeremy. so it's, so you um,
1: you will have played by. Yeah.
2: Well, that's with a different group, but it's like a group that is sort of a, not a necessarily going concern. Ah, gotcha. Uh, but late shift country on Facebook is the, is the group that's kind of my main thing right now
1: excellent and as always uh you can get a hold of us we are at giving the mic at gmail.com we do have a patreon that i really need to start dumping uh you know better content but if you would like to help us put out the show or at least pay for uh the 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 hosting costs please find us at patreon.com slash giving the mic have all your friends like subscribe and share uh facebook.com slash giving the mic uh, we're on twitter at giving the mic um i think that is all we have um yeah uh any final words from anyone in attendance speak now <laughs> <laughs> thanks for having me
3: thank you for coming on it was really a joy
1: this was a lot of fun you yeah. guys and thank you good night ladies and gentlemen good night, good night. Good night.
3: Good night. thanks night.
1: <laughs> Alright, awesome. Thank Thanks
3: you. For tolerating the long, long recording.
0: No, it's fine. You know, uh
3: I usually record for like five hours, so
0: I've gotten better about um oh, not going on for so yeah. many hours, so it's not to
4: take up <laughs> back a cool sixteen ouncer. They're a good fine people, Stuart, but they don't know what the queers are doing to the soil. You know that Johnny worker kid, kids, kid learns papers in the neighborhood. He's a fine kid. Some of the neighbors say he smokes crack. Third day, all he wanted was a furrow owl. Kept bugging his old man. Dad, give me a burrow owl. I'll never ask for anything else as long as I live. So the guy breaks down and buys him a furrow owl. Anyway, 10.30, the other night, I go out into my yard, and there's the worst kid looking up the tree. I say, what are you looking for? So the I'm my for my furrow owl. I say, jump in! Some of my oldest boy Bill Jr., died. You know that carnival comes from town every year? Well, this year they came through with a ride called The Mixer. The man said, keep your head and arms inside the mixer at all times. But Bill Jr., he was a daredevil, just like his old man. He was leaning out saying, hey, everybody, look at me, look at me. Now, he was decapitated. They found his head covered by the snow cone concession. A few days after that, I opened up the mail and there's a pamphlet in there from Quindle, Colorado. And it's a around any large U.S. city with a big underground homosexual population. Des Moines, Iowa, perfect example. Look at the soil around Des Moines, Stuart. You can't build on it. You can't throw anything in it. The government says it's due to poor farming, but I know what's really going on, Stuart. I know it's the queer. They're in it with the aliens. They're building landing strips for gay Martians.
2: yeah the, so I started reading an article about a review of that movie um what's the what's that horror movie that everyone's going to see right now
3: the one where they can't talk
2: yes that one <laughs> well, spoiler alert <laughs> <laughs> the, quiet, I, the quiet place yeah that I is, a, that is and it. they were talking about and it's really true like it, I, not everyone likes horror but um some of the best studio movies being made right now are horror films because they because horror films are seen as sort of it's unimpo- inversin, unimportant, though
3: too. I lost uh, my, uh, my my headphones. Someone on a Skype call.
1: Yeah, it's usually somebody. It jo- yeah, it's been somebody on Skype for, uh, somebody on Skype, and then at one point it was someone's someone calling uh, another, calling in another guy and to bridge from uh, he's, skyped in from his his. We're line not going to talk Anna about Harris. the pesadoist episode. I don't.
2: I don't want to fuck up.
0: Please. Uh, uh, which and, episode and, is that for anything? my reference I can go back and listen to It's it.
3: ridiculous. We were talk- we were recording on UFOs and uh what our, 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 it was it was really good actually it was but it was so funny cuz we got hijacked by a possaudas. Do you know which one
2: I'm plugged was into it a Jeremy
3: thing? Okay. Comrade okay. uh what's the,
1: his name? No, it's uh Comrade Communicator the guy who yeah. who does the
2: um the uh I don't think that's <laughs> correct Jeremy. I don't think that's me.
1: Yeah, the uh, in fact that's the thing is uh, the one our um, one um unfortunately our one UFO enthusiast co-host is not here
2: today. Yeah, he's the funny one too, so that's too bad.
3: You're stuck with the not funny ones. <laughs> As a woman I'm inherently not funny. I get an okay joke in every once in a while. You do. You've got that good radio voice too. I just sound sad.
1: You're on, you're on four. Okay. You're on two and Garrett, you're, you're on... You're eight on forty-four,
2: sixteen 16 to there, the top whoa, of the hour. There
1: we go. Okay, just making sure which one is which... <laughs> That answers that. There we go. That's the only that's the one decent thing is I um is still learning how to uh I can I can record and I can engineer. Recording an engineering on a conversation that I'm actually part of is uh is uh difficult. Or, oh, correction, getting all the getting all all the levels to, mat, to to match up is uh what I'm still working on.
0: You can you can also just do like I did before I hired a professional here and
1: mm-hmm.
5: say,
0: fuck it. it, sounds good enough.
5: Yeah. <laughs> That's what I'm, I do. I'm
1: way too, uh way too much of a, I think part of it is just because I listen to, uh, I listen, I have earbuds in my head, like almost 12 hours a day. So it's a, um.
2: Hey, Rachel, how you doing? Good. you. No, oh, I'm all right.
5: Good. How's the arm? Oh. Uh,
3: I've
2: Excuse got a me? one foot scar on it. It's pretty bitchin'. Oh. Yeah.
3: <laughs> chick stick scars no
2: it's just <laughs> it's just like so this right here
3: uh,
2: that's as far as i can bend it right uh, now this is yeah. like a, a two-week-old injury so yeah but you've got go. six months you'll out,
0: feel great Got his name yeah
5: yeah
2: i've actually like played a little guitar which was like my my biggest fear it's uh, your uh, strumming arm mm-hmm. this is my strumming arm that is correct and uh i had i had suddenly resolved i've i've you know uh, since i'm approaching 40 i've i've gotten into jazz and I want to play <laughs> jazz guitar.
3: Is that like a thing that happens when you turn 40? Well, there's all sorts
2: of ways you can go. And yeah. the way I'm going is <laughs> Jazz Bo, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a burgeoning jazz bo.
3: A jazz bo, not a jazz bro.
2: Well hopefully not a jazz bro. But...
0: Does does anybody know what happened to Jimmy Ma- I mean I know it closed, but did they reopen somewhere else? Jimmy Max, that there, place that used to be downtown? There's
2: uh there's the Jack London Review, which is the the lower remember the the the, the room below the Rialto so that's the, the new sort of jazz club oh, okay. if you want to go cool. watch jazz or but they've got good soul bands and stuff too it sounds like a Central Air that's kind of what it sounds thing. like to me oh, okay, as well
1: yeah I was wondering, I was wondering like, wait, why are we hearing that but yeah because I couldn't tell if the heater was on but anyway sorry to interrupt your um, about uh, underground Portland jaunts. Well,
2: yeah, it's just called the Jack London Review. so that's if you want to go see jazz that's where that's kind of where you can go now
1: are you recording? I never turn off the microphone. Oh, I never okay. turn off the recorder.
2: That's uh, twenty-four hours. Say something really it's like damning. Podcast
5: Verite.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's also laziness, and I've heard too many shows where they, especially too many people, like they like, rec- um, especially, uh, like, it, well, it drives me. nuts when, like, fucking Chapo, because they record on their laptops, and they will routinely ref- Uh, they've lost like multiple episodes because they forget to hit record. Which um at least with this thing i uh i just i I've learned just to turn it on, let it go, and then when the show actually starts, we just kind of you know cut everything until the show actually starts, unless there's like anything like amusing we we mentioned beforehand, and then I'll put that like way after the credits at the very end of the show. It's like back matter or
2: whatnot. Corey, were you ever on the dig? With Daniel Denver? Not that I remember. I was trying like hell to remember what podcast I had heard you on.
0: I've been doing the
1: circuit. Yeah. Yeah, it's one of the questions I want to ask about is how is the... How is the, how, uh, is uh, at some point to ask about like how a, how a book tour in podcast form actually works or all that?
0: Uh, I, you know, the podcasts that I've been on it typically to be uh, ones that are already sort of in my network mm-hmm. uh, one way or the other. Well, um, that always helps. I haven't gotten any any uh thing that seemed completely out of nowhere podcast wise and you know the i'm not paying attention to the the way the book is doing sales wise very closely but obviously the publisher and other people are <laughs> and they, there. Sometimes there'll be a bump in in sales, and they won't be able to figure out why because I didn't do any media that they were aware <laughs> of. But they finally f- were like, "I think it's the podcast." I'm like, "Yeah, I think, yeah, so. I mean, I think so." People,
2: people listen to these things. That <laughs> might be a have, form of media, you guys.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: Well, it's
2: old-fashioned. So yeah, uh, those you know. those people are probably still really set in their ways.
0: Like any sort of business or institution, they've got ways of doing things, and the people mm-hmm. that train the younger people do it that way, and. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I get it. They just kind of roll along. I, I mean, I did... But they they do have new stuff. The funniest thing I did was I went on this thing called Cheddar.
3: Cheddar, yeah. You've heard of
0: it? Okay. Not <laughs> familiar. Would you like to explain? No, what? I would not. No, I would <laughs> like... to I would really like to hear what you think <laughs> I, it is. I only
3: have heard of it. I've never actually listened to it. Wait, what is it? Wait.
0: What What's your... Sin? It's a thing, though.
3: I thought it was like something where it was like crowdsourcing or funding or something like that, right? No?
0: It's a... As far as I can tell, I was about where you are yeah. when I was told to go on. It's a CNBC for millennials funded oh. by VCs. Oh, yep. I have and heard of that. It's on, heard of it, yeah. it streams and, uh, <laughs> and I think, I don't know if it actually is on broadcast anyway, yeah. but um, I did. they do a live thing.
2: And you said and CNBC for millennials. Yes, <laughs> yeah. or oh. or Fox Business, or
1: uh-huh.
2: yeah, the people you Check, really
1: please. yeah, the people you really want to hang out with. Well,
0: I, I was supposed to do it in New York when I was there on the tour, and um, uh, and I was kind of excited because they <laughs> they record on the floor of the New York Stock Exchange. Oh but then gosh. I got bumped. And uh, they didn't have me on until I did a Skype thing like mm. early last week. Not as fun as going on the Florida Stock Exchange. I know that would have been a blast. I could have done. I could have done something fun, but I was on. Uh, like it was the strangest experience. I was on for like three minutes. Oh my god! The pre-interview was ten minutes at least, and I th- I thought it was going to go very differently. And it was kind of amateur hour because uh, they took whatever the producer had learned during the pre-interview <laughs> and asked the strangest questions
1: like. Like, Have you always wanted to do a book? It's cool that you did a
5: book. <laughs> I'm like,
1: what? I like, the this de- yeah, it's deliberately targeted at millennials. Like, "Dude, that's a, that's a, that's some like college radio ass Gen X bullshit." Too. Yeah. So, yeah. the people on the my
0: wife was watching, she said that the people that were the anchors were like they their body language indicated that even though they had to the banter and were like sitting at the same table uh in fairly close proximity like indicated that they'd never met each other before awesome that's what <laughs> that's,
3: was, makes sense that's
1: yeah that's chemistry g- talk yeah talk yeah. about using use you know the entire opera uh, apparatus just to you know just to uh, uh to appropriate vc money
2: um but i yeah, bet it's gonna work really well cheddar <laughs>
1: <laughs> well it'll work for a handful of folks until it finally goes <laughs> yeah. under and everybody steals whatever you know just uh sells all the uh, all the uh, all the office chairs i'll on, take it, on I'll, do it. And I'll do a
3: twitch stream
1: um but yeah, basic format of the show is effectively. <laughs> we're not yeah, we're, as you can tell, we're not the most. Uh, I, uh, I I was on. I was a college DJ for about five years, and uh, even what station WCBN FM Ann Arbor, all the way to the left of your FM dial, eighty-eight point three, Radio Free Ann Arbor. Uh, I did it more than a few times.
0: <laughs> well, kind of. So it was indie indie rock, like most college stations. Freeform indie rock.
1: Okay. Um, more freeform. More freeform than indie rock, but at some point it would be a thing. It was just a lot of uh, me. For me, it was like a lot of like loud guitar music, but also mixing and stuff like you know everything from the um, God. Lewis Jordan songs, or eventually I finally discovered uh, finally discovered Bomb Bomb Squad Records, so I'm, you know, mixing that into, uh, occasionally like, you know, some, like, Negative Land stuff.
5: Cool.
1: But a lot of, um, a lot of Husker doing replacements. So, like, I think, especially back then, my, uh, yeah, my, uh, my forte really was, um, was, like, 80s college rock. (laughs) And, um,
2: well, that's the right place for it.
1: Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, yeah. literally so. They so college par- radio station. Th- uh, that one in particular, uh rumor had it that was where um, you know, this was of local relevance, that was the stu- that was the studio where Nirvana finally met Bobcat Goldthwait in like 1989. Classic story,
2: you don't know this. <laughs> <Finally> <laughs> I know this finally Have they been yeah. yeah. waiting to be? meet? Awesome. Well, no, they sound like a good story.
1: <laughs> this was they were on tour. I think they were on tour for like this is like like Bleach or Bleach era. Sure, and I think he and Bobcat was in was in town like doing some like either like stand up or maybe like even like pro this is like before shakes the clown, so maybe he was
2: just doing like he was in town for whatever reason, and I think that at some point they were just like, well, certainly the police academy movies had all been <laughs> released by that time right, right?
1: so well, well and plus and, well he had those were but i think those were long done, even like what uh mission to Miami where's it Mission to Moscow, <laughs> one of the two the sixth or seventh one had <laughs> been finished so I think it's
2: Moscow yeah. <laughs>
1: I don't know, but apparently it was that studio where like the the band was there and and I mean because were this was like 1989 they're just some some scruffy uh, you have a, you have a scruffy sub pop band talking to a guy who was known as the screamy dude from the police academy movies so yeah. not a lot of uh, I don't think you had a lot of like egos going had around Scrooge come out at that point that was a yes was Scrooge was fan. 88 yeah, so he was famous yeah.
2: Famous. yeah. And they, they hit it off, or yeah, they hit it. They hit it. They hit it off. So Excellent. that's that's
1: why. Um, do you remember? Do you remember the TV ads for uh, In Utero? Nah. Uh, Bob got Goldsmith. He was he filmed them, and they they actually they were they oh, had, a, that they had was a TV commercial part they, of they, his early filmmaking. Career. Yeah, they had a, they, they he he helped so them make Jeremy, adverts for uh, for In Utero, and they and they aired those on daytime MTV. Jeremy knows
2: everything that's ever happened.
1: Yeah. For certain years, I went.
2: I went through. Uh, sorry, <laughs> I went so through
0: uh, Aberdeen on my way back from Seattle, and um, I went to the Kurt Cobain Park, nice Memorial Park, which is by the bridge over the Wishka River mm-hmm. where he uh, slept occasionally as a teenager. And as you do. There's a little plaque. The neighbors, though, is they they put up the sign. Just so like, don't kill yourself. No, we didn't know him. <laughs> <laughs> Phil next door did. Uh, careful down there. There's needles and junk and uh, whatever. You got the sense they didn't like him. It, it was you know. It's obviously some some uh, America loving folks because they got like flag bunting mm-hmm. up everywhere yeah. and NFL banners and um, I thought I mean, they probably did know him that. <laughs> probably called the cops on him, yeah. it. Yeah, would did. be my guess. And you know, it's just like Aberdeen is so, I mean, it's yeah. still so depressing it and is it's like depressing. So you, your town produced a genius and like you don't even you're not even happy about having like yeah. a little little statue because yeah. it's inconvenient. We're just here because we want to live the quiet Aberdeen lifestyle. None of this rock and roll. Let us do uh opiates in peace. <laughs> <laughs>
2: But, um... We didn't want this.